Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, church. It's uh, great to have you uh, with us this morning. This morning, I'd like to be able to talk about the coronavirus situation because obviously a lot's happening in the world and around the world and there's been a lot of prophetic input uh, by key leaders around the world and quite often we hear it and we move on to the next thing so I thought it would be really important to be able to examine some of the prophetic uh, words that have been expressed around the world and give some encouragement and as a local church we come together on Sunday morning which has been great and other churches do the same thing some people gather and churches, some people gather in school halls, auditoriums, uh, home groups, some even gather in soccer stadiums uh, depending on the situation and as a church we come together on Wednesday night and we have some very powerful prayer times and that's been something that's been part of the foundation of the church pretty much from day one. But the interesting thing is in those meetings the depth of the prophetic internally in the church has grown uh, broader and deeper. And that's really, really exciting. We've seen a maturity of the people. And I just sense as a church, we're going to continue to see an expanding uh, width of the prophetic in the church. Not just one or two people, but uh, the majority of people functioning and flowing in the prophetic. But also I sense there's going to be a deepening taking place where capacity in the prophetic is going to go broader and deeper at the same time. And it's been really encouraging to hear and monitor what some of the the younger people have been saying, uh, a young uh, girl uh, in one of the prayer meetings a few weeks ago said, I see prophetically, she was seeing a vision of what was happening and she could see the stained glass windows of churches being broken. And it wasn't that people were running around with stones and bricks and balls, throwing them at church windows and breaking church windows. What she was seeing in the spirit is the stained glass windows being broken, the traditions of churches been broken and I think that's part of the prophetic thing that's happening right now with the uh, coronavirus happening in the world. Pastor Viv Anson was sharing and she was saying right from week one when this lockdown took place she said I believe God's saying reset to the church and I'm thinking reset to the church take note of this and I did and then she went on to talk about the reset in the church changing everything changing our priorities changing our walk the reset will change our purposes and purpose in life. And also there'll be a reset in worship. And prophetically, one of the words that I've been saying uh, in partnership with reset is weaponize your worship. And I just sense there's going to be a change of gear, a change of momentum where uh, any move of God takes place, there will be a fresh wave of worship takes place. And I think there will be a cutting edge church, even with a prayer factor and a worship factor that is uh, more aggressive. There'll be a worship um, or and a weaponizing of our worship in the church. So I think there's going to be something new. Um, obviously people gather together in buildings but gathering online is adding a new dimension to what the church is doing. It's taking us closer to people. It's getting us into people's homes where we've never been able to get into people's homes before. People are looking for answers and they're going to the internet and they're dialing into messages, whether it's uh, directly online or a recorded message. And people are coming under the influence of the gospel in a new way. So I think that's part of the reset that's taking place. A prophet in New Zealand, Len Butler, who's a great friend of uh, our church faith point, 
He was with us a couple of weeks ago online again, and he said, the world has stopped for a reason. And it's thinking, well, it has. And we've seen things like whole sporting arenas stopped, airlines have stopped, global travel stopped, commerce, trade as we know it has stopped. The economies of the world have stalled. People going to movie theaters and entertainment centers, that stopped. Yeah, even whining and dining has stopped. People going to parties have stopped. Something's happened. And I think the Holy Spirit, uh, the Lord has got an agenda far bigger than any of us can perceive. Yes, the enemy's got a battle going on and he wants to take the church out, but God is gonna use this negative and he's gonna turn it into a positive. You know, this word reset has even come prior to this virus erupting in the world. Based in America, there's a group called the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders. Essentially what that is, is a large group of people that are highly respected as elders, uh, and many of them are apostolic as well. And they got together right at the beginning of the year and they prayed and this is what they said. And finally now, this is going to be a year, this is 2020, this is going to be a year of reset. This is going to be a day when we will be anointed for reset. So it's not just going to be a normal reset, we're going to be anointed for reset. And this reset will bring breakthrough in our relationships, it will bring reset in our families, and it will also bring a reset for the nations of the world. What God is going to do, He's going to turn the impossible into possible, and situations are going to be turned around. And when I see about impossible situations being turned around, that speaks to me of the miraculous. And I think God is going to start to move more and more powerfully in and through the church, uh, corporately, and the miraculous. Impossible situations are going to be turned around. Cindy Jacobs, a recognized prophet, recognized around the world, highly respected, she said, this isn't going to just be a reset, it's going to be a restitution, it's going to be a restoration, and it's going to be a repositioning of the church. And this is all before the virus broke out. And then you try and unpack what's going on. And as I've thought about it, I just sense this is what this reset really means. There's going to be a divine reset, which is going to be happening in the body of Christ, not just a church, but across the whole spectrum of the body of Christ. This means that he's going to be restarting and rebooting many things. He's going to do it in you. He's going to do it in me. He's going to do it in the church and he's going to do it in the church corporate. He's going to do it in the world. Right around the world, there's going to be a resetting of things. The Holy Spirit is transitioning us from the old wineskin to a newer wineskin. What was probably valid 10, 15 years ago is no longer valid today. That's old wine. God is going to bring in a far new, a more potent wine. And as we look at this virus, we thought, well, where did it come from? So media, um, scientists, the World Health Organization said it came from Wuhan in, uh, in China. The interesting thing is, in China, or in the Chinese language, the word crisis, they don't have Chinese characters for that. It's just like a word which was unknown to them. So what they did is they amalgamated two words, that's the word danger and the word opportunity. And so as we see this crisis taking place in China, there's a new expression where these words danger and opportunities have been put together. It's been like an expansion. And, and then you start to see these clusters around the world. A lot was taking place obviously in Italy. We've seen hundreds if not thousands of people died in, um, in Italy. The original word influenza is actually an Italian word. The Italian word for influence. Quite interesting when you look at the background for it. Or the Latin word is actually called influentia, to flow into. So 
interesting things take place in the natural, but there's things taking place in the spiritual. And there's foundations that we need to look at and realize that God is developing something. This virus, you know, scientists are still trying to get their head around it, but the word for influenza, its basic definition says an ethereal fluid flowing from the stars, which carries out the design of the stars from one realm to another to make mankind sick. So you can go on to Wikipedia or any encyclopedia, this will tell you what's actually happening. So in effect, you're having this uh, external force come into mankind. And as we look at the stars or the design of the stars, biblically, we're looking at fallen angels. There's an external influence that's actually invading mankind with a purpose. The word ethereal is quite interesting. As we look at the word ethereal, it says relating to regions beyond the earth quite powerful, lacking material substance. So spirit beings don't have flesh and bone bodies like you and me. They lack material substance. So somehow there's an external force invading mankind. And as we look back in history, we see a number of things happening. In 1918, uh, the world had a pandemic. It was called the Spanish flu. And it erupted at the tail end of the First World War. What it did, it infected over 500 million people and it killed over 50 million people. They reckon it could actually have taken out 100 million people. The stats weren't that good because people were being shoved in graves and the hospital records weren't that great. But this virus lasted for three years and it's still in the world today, but uh, we've got uh, vaccines and all that which prevent us from those things. But this virus was obviously here for a season. And as we look at the word reset, the dictionary definition says to set again, to reset like an alarm clock. So if we're going to reset an alarm clock, there has to be a pause and you've got to reprogram it. And I just think that what God is doing is calling a reset to the church. There's like an alarm clock being reset. The church has to wake up and listen to what's going on. Another definition is like a resetting of the bones. So in orthopedics, what you've actually got, if you've got a, a broken uh, bone, you need to realign it. And the bone has actually got three essential layers, the cortex, which is the outside, the inside layer is cancellous tissue, and then you've got the marrow in the middle. And so what you've got to try and do when you've got broken bones, you've got to try and align the two broken ends so that the cortex, cancellar, and the marrows flow together. And if it's not done as in, a, as in a good alignment, the orthopedic surgeons, what they have to do sometimes is actually break the bone again, so there's actually a fusing together. And I just sense in the spirit, there's a refusing of parts of the body of Christ. What has been misaligned and out of kilter has been repositioned uh, by the Lord intentionally. And then as Pastor James talked about last week, to reset basically means to adjust, to fix anew in a different way, to reset our priorities, and to recalibrate, recalibrate our lifestyle, the way we think, what we do. Very, very important. Quite often when things happen in the world, you want to stop and ask yourself, what is actually happening? We've probably all got computers and occasionally you see a little icon come up on your screen saying, troubleshoot, reboot your computer. You don't really want to see it, but when things get cluttered and there's so many things that slow things down, this will come up. And then it says, reset your computer or reset your PC. And then it asks you these questions to choose to keep or remove some of your personal files. And I just think the Holy Spirit is saying to us as individuals, as the church, stop, 
recalibrate, reprocess. What are the old files from the past that need to be disposed of? The things that are slowing you down. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff that just insidiously comes into the church, our walk, our way of living, that slows us down and it impedes us. Something which was appropriate for say 15 or 20 years ago was great for then, but it may not necessarily be appropriate for now. If you've got a uh, a crayfish, for example, uh, a crayfish has to jettison its old skin to grow into a new um, phase of its being. So it's vulnerable for a period of time, it stops, and then all of a sudden the old skin is uh, jettisoned and then it starts to grow a new skin. Uh, snakes do exactly the same thing. And I just think this is part of the stopping, resetting uh, of the process of growth for us to move into the future. We're speaking prophetically not only to our church, but the church corporate. And quite often we hear a message and we look and think, yeah, that's interesting, and we move on. But I just want to re-emphasize some of the five key points that Pastor James mentioned last week. He said, in this transition, we're moving from the old to the new. We're moving from where people have been distant from intimacy with uh, the Lord to one of close intimacy. We're moving from a church which has been attractional, where people have been gathered to the church, to one which is missional. That means that the church has been scattered. There's an intentionality about getting out into the highways and the byways into the nations of the world. It's transitioning from the old, where we've had consumers in the church, which are essentially just attenders. They sit on the church, and the only reason they move is they move to stand up to get their wallet out of their pocket to put it into the offering bag or they might stand up and worship a song. They're attenders. They're not disciples that are fully empowered, that are released and employed in the kingdom. The old is basically a group of people that are hearing the word of God, but not doing. And I just sense that part of this new initiative is we've had people hearing they've got fat, they've got obese, but there's no muscle. And I just sense this new transition is going to have people toned up spiritually fit, deployed people, utilizing what they have in their heart and their life to be able to change the world around them. It's a change from the status quo or a conventional copycat church mentality to one of innovation. I think an empowered church is one full of radical non-conformists. You look at any change agent in world history, they were radical, they were change agents. They were unconventional. You know, personally, over the last uh, week, I've been able to just digest what's been going on a little bit more. And I've just thought, well, Lord, yes, there's change taking place. There's old wineskin, there's new wineskin. And probably over the last 10 years, we've seen subtle changes that take place. But I'm starting to see a desire to break into a new phase of what church is doing. You know, the old church was essentially a local church where it was just a gathering place of people. But the church is about kingdom, and I just sense the new phase is going to be totally about a kingdom-based church, not about our church or the biggest church or my personality or my ministry. It's going to be more about Him and less about us. It's going to be kingdom-based. It's going to be changing from a, an isolation mentality where we can do it all by ourselves to collaboration, kingdom partnerships. It's going to be changing from the pastor-teacher paradigm to one of the apostolic and the prophetic. And that started, but in some respects it stalled. And I just think there's going to be a rebooting of this transition where the prophetic apostolic church is going to rise and you're going to start to see that expressed in more powerful ways than we've probably ever seen in church history before. The old church mentality was one of a hierarchical control. And I just think the new transition is going to be one of empowerment. 
We're going to see a change from control-based church with all the things that go with it to one of absolute freedom. The church today is just full of controls. The Pharisees and the Sadducees controlled people and it just stalled what God was doing. And at some churches, you know, you've just about got to have an eldership meeting to change your roll of toilet paper. You've just about got to have a, a meeting to decide whether you're going to change the light bulb in a church. And that's crazy. You know, we, we should have a, an ability to be able to just do what we need to do because we know we're called to do it. Bottom line, what I see, the church has been built for the Great Commission. But in the old paradigm, we've seen the default settings going to something like, oh, missions, I can get around to it someday, or that's for that person over there, or that super saint over there. I don't really have to get involved. But I just sense with a new paradigm, the Great Commission is going to be the most powerful thing about the New Testament church. It's going to be about a church involved with uh, releasing its people in a dynamic way. The primary task of this church will be to complete the Great Commission. It won't be about the great own mission. It will be about the Great Commission. And churches will discover how to engage and embrace missions in a fresh way, whether it's locally, regionally, or internationally. It's part of this change taking place. Pastor Jack Haynes, who's been a great motivator for missions globally, based in Penrith, Australia, he had a message 10, 15 years ago called, If I Was the Devil. And what it did, it caused the church to have its uh, whole uh, awareness of missions woken up totally. Uh, their ears were unblocked, their hearts started to beat with a passion. And he said that if I was a devil, I would be a strategist. And I'd think of ways to be able to minimize and sabotage the Great Commission. What I would do, I would actually marginalize missions. So if we've got a page, he would put missions onto the to the sides, it would be pushed into the margins, it wouldn't be the main thing. And then I would actually take missions from the front page and I'd put it on the back page or hide it in the middle somewhere. It wouldn't be the front page uh, agenda of the church. Missions always has to be the great uh, focus of the church. Jesus' last command to the church should be our first priority. And then he said, if I was the devil, I'd try and make the Great Commission as an appendage to what needs to be done on our to-do list. We need to take it and put it on our to-do list and we'll put it right down the bottom. Or we'll actually take it right off the to-do list altogether. It's a scary thing. And I just sense that over the last uh, decade or so, global missions are stalled. Uh, and it's like the Lord says, no, 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 no. It's got to come back to be the main thing. Are we going to see a rebooting, a recalibration for global missions? Yes, we've had the um, the individuals that have gone and done and done some amazing things, and which has been great. But I just think globally, the Lord's going to take us to a new uh, power of uh, the Great Commission. Another prophetic word comes from John Eckhart, and he says, the Lord is performing a divine reset in churches and also in denominations. As the churches prophesy this reset, the winds of change are coming. Dead things are going to come alive. Waters will be released into desert places and the river of the Lord will flow where it hasn't flowed before. Prophets prophesying renewal, resetting, readjustments, redoing and realignment. And as you prophesy this, this restoration or restitution will come into the body of Christ. Some ministries will be completely revamped. And my prayer is that most missionaries and most ministries will be revamped. Don't be afraid to remove things that aren't working. Bottom line, if it's not working, get rid of it. If you look at the Bible, 
there's a uh, lots of principles there. One of them is pruning, and things that aren't growing need to be pruned right back. And if we want to see uh, productive lives, we've got to have um, pruning take place. And this is what's happening in this season that the church finds itself in. There's another prophetic voice out of America by uh, Anna Werner. She's on God TV. She's a recognized prophet. She's a recognized intercessor. She says this, we are living in a season right now of unusual timing in the Lord. God is birthing something new through you, transitioning you from one thing to the next. We're in a season of major acceleration right now. And I think everyone can testify to that. The sooner we can jump in and agree with this transition instead of resisting it, the better. You know, in any situation in church history, there's going to be people that always resist. I think the Holy Spirit would have us to be early adapters, not late adapters or people that don't adapt at all. And it's part of this change which is taking place and this resetting that's actually happening. And as I've prayed over the last week, you know, revelation has just uh, been distilled. It's come into my heart. It's come into my spirit. The Lord showed me quite clearly, this is like a gear change taking place in a church. When I first started to learn to drive, whether it was on the motorbike or cars, I'm a bit older now. We didn't have automatic cars in those days. It was all manual. And my father, who taught me to drive both motorbikes and cars, said that you've got an engine and the engine is uh, turning over, it's revving. And you might be in one gear, it might be in neutral but then the gear would have to be installed. You'd have to go to first gear, second gear, third gear. And you couldn't just put the engine into gear. You have to put the clutch on, on a motorbike, or put your foot on the clutch on the floor. And then you would find that the gears would change. You can't just not use the clutch because there'd be a graunching that would take place. There's going to be lots of things that change in our lives and the gear changes will take place. Um, some of it will take place in my life. Some of it will take place in yours. I think there's going to be lots of change taking place locally in our own church. There's going to be changes that take place um, nationally in the church corporate. There's going to be change on the mission front, the business sense. It's going to happen in many, many ways. But the bottom line is, this world is hemorrhaging. The light will become lighter, the dark will become darker. We've seen tidal waves, we've seen earthquakes, we've seen famine, pestilence, all sorts of things. The Bible talks about those things. We're going to see more and more pandemics that take place in the world. Revelation talks about a third of humanity being destroyed by pestilence and famine. The Lord would have us to be under his anointing. We've got to be under his hand. We've got to be under his wings, as it were. This is what the psalmist said in Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest under the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He is my safety. He is my God, I trust in Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every disease. Wow, you know, the Lord protecting His people from all this calamity. You know, and as we close out this morning, I just sense that one of the biggest shifts is going to happen in global mission. And for global mission to change, it also has to take place in the base of a local church. As a local church, I think we can safely call ourselves a missional church. But I just think the Lord's going to take us from a missional church to a fully missional church. Um, you know, one thing is to be missional, but we can be fully missional. That takes us to a new level. We're going to all stand before the Lord one day and He's going to ask us, what did we do when it came to the Great Commission? And that's going to be a question that's personalized to ask to you and me. 
we all have to be involved in the Great Commission because the Lord asked the church before he ascended to heaven, go and do the Great Commission. This is our greatest responsibility. So church, we all have a role to play. Uh, we have to discover what that role is. And sometimes we just know intuitively what it is straight away. And sometimes we have to test the waters and discover what it is. There are going to be the goers. There's going to be those amazing people that are long-term missionaries. There's going to be people that are going to be medium-term in missions. There'll be multiple short-term people coming in and out. And that's fantastic. You get inspired. Once you do a short-term mission trip, you want to get onto the next plane and do it again. There's going to be the goers, but there's also going to be the senders. These are the people that uh, help support the initiatives of those on the field financially and also through encouragement. We can all encourage people. We can all contribute to missions financially. There are these amazing people called welcomers when it comes to mission. They're the people that welcome the migrants into a country. Uh, they welcome people into the community so they can embrace our culture and they can also learn about the gospel. There's these super saints called intercessors. They can be involved with missions. We can all pray for missions. And I just sense that through this season, there's going to be some new radical initiatives changing the church and people will start to do Zoom meetings where people will get online and have uh, spontaneous prayer meetings or weekly or monthly prayer meetings uh, through prayer. They won't have to come to church buildings. Uh, people will get up in the morning and pray specifically for missions. They'll go on uh, prayer walks and pray for missions around the world. And then we have these amazing people called mobilizers. They're the people that uh, shoehorn people into missions. They're the people that motivate and encourage and inspire people for missions. They become like global brokers. They connect parts of the body of Christ. Um, so when they're deployed in missions, it's done effectively and safely. My prayer is that you would pause and just say, Lord, this reset is taking place. The world is spinning out of control. But what are you talking to me right now about? What are you talking to me about global missions? What's the next step I have to take? Maybe I've got to plan a, a trip overseas somewhere to go and see one of the missionaries I already know. Maybe I've got to be like those spies that went to the promised land and just do a little bit of a, a spiritual overseas experience where I can check out a number of things. Maybe the Lord's been speaking to you already about going and doing something, but you haven't done it. Jonah had that problem. He went in the wrong direction. And I just sense that there's many people that God has spoken to you already about uh, doing something for the Lord, whether it's on missions, whether it's local, whether it's global, and you haven't done it yet. Or maybe God's challenging you to think about prayer. Maybe he's wanting you to dig a little bit deeper in your pocket to be able to help bankroll uh, what's happening in the church or global missions. And maybe it's wanting to connect with other people just to be able to process this in your own life in a fresh way. So God bless you. God keep you. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing life. And let the Lord use this reset to recalibrate, reboot you, and inspire you for this next phase of your journey in the Lord.